Hello and welcome to the Human and Machine podcast. Um, my name is Yaku. I'm sitting here with my co-host Lenny. Lenny, how are you? Good and you, Yaku. Very well, thank you. It's uh, another week has gone by. It feels like it's been two days. Um, we are actually recording this this podcast from our new office, uh, the new Element Eight office. We're really excited to be in this space. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can share a little bit more more around this over the next few weeks. But we're sitting in our new office. Uh, still very much in lockdown um, and yeah another week has come by exciting episode we are continuing in our series well it's become a series it wasn't planned as a series definitely not yes um, certainly not planned as a series but it has become a little bit of a series around industrial iot um, and you would have noticed over the past few episodes that we've been we've been discussing the industrial iot or iiot which is of course a major element of industry 4.0 uh, that of course promises to help companies as they proceed on their digital transformation journey. So why it's become a bit of a series, we spoke um, with Arlen Nipper, the co-inventor of MQTT. MQTT, many people will say the darling of, <coughs> of enterprise IoT because of its efficiency, uh, simplicity and, and as a protocol, definitely. as yes. a protocol, yeah. And uh, Arlen shared the, the more recent developments on the open source spark plug specification. Um, that they've developed under Arlen's leadership. And we spoke with Louis van Beek um, from Business Connection, uh, who's the managing executive there for IoT and OT on some of the IIoT drivers within industrial and manufacturing companies. And uh, certainly a lot of three-letter acronyms. Um, definitely uh, Hopefully, hopefully uh, it makes sense to most of our listeners. And very exciting today, we're speaking with uh, Altmar de Toy. I think we'll just refer to Alti to him as Alti, who's the co-founder and director at Hive IoT. Really excited about the chat with with Alti over the next few minutes as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to go full circle. So we're going to take all the way from protocols to the challenges that we see, and today we're going to round it off a little bit about devices and the challenges in manufacturing of these devices. We we touched a little bit on it last week with with Louis about the challenges of devices, the different kind of device level networks like LoRa, Sigfox that's available. Now all of a sudden your device needs to comply to all of these different type of applications. BLE, BLE is another three letter acronym. Acronyms uh, all over the place. And I think Altmar has some very good um, stories and, and guidance around these devices. What does it take to actually make a device in this current environment? Yes. How does that landscape look in South Africa especially? Um, so yeah, Alti, well done. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah, really exciting uh, stuff to be here. Looking, looking forward to it. Fantastic. And, and we also have some very good news around a very good practical example that that you guys have been working on for a bit, um, which is really just just adding immense value to organisations, helping keeping people safe and keeping folks. Uh, uh, yeah, so a little bit of a teaser. We we've, we've we had this discussion in the previous podcast about out of out of uncertainty and and, and especially are we sitting with COVID? So I'm, I'm in uncertainty and challenging times, it's mostly the times where great innovation happens. Absolutely. So definitely a, have a have a have a good, teaser for you guys. Good example of that in this in the podcast. But Alti, you you three years that you've been in the what do we call it? I, I suppose we can call it the IoT game. You probably call it you've called it much worse, uh, many different, but, it, but it's been three years that you've been on this journey. How did it start for you? Absolutely. Yeah. So we can probably call it my, my IoT journey, right? Or our IoT journey. 
Um, well, it started obviously my, my background in the industrial space. Um, and I think from there, we, when, um, when we saw the impact that, that IIT will have in that industrial space, uh, I met a, a few other gentlemen and we, we started the team as, as Hive IoT, right? And um, uh, we decided to at first look at um, different solutions out there, the networks. Uh, at that stage, Sigfox was just starting out in South Africa. Uh, we came, became a channel partner with them. Um, and we decided to, to start Hive IoT, right? And especially um, my, my co-partners, um, Michael and the guys, they, had a system, they have a, still have a system integration company, uh, and we saw the impact it'll, it'll make in the system integration game, right? Uh, and, and that's when we started Hive IoT. And uh, I think what happened from the device side is when we started, there were so, so little devices available that um, we, we saw that as a, a niche and we decided to... Um, look at, at manufacturing devices, right? So, so yeah, that's how we, how we started the company. On the advent of, of Sigfox, um, uh, cheap networks, the promise of cheap devices, on the advent of, of all of that, you, you, you saw the opportunity and three years ago, you, you started this, this Hive IoT journey. And I can imagine it's probably over the last three years, it has changed and grown immensely or maybe not. Absolutely grown, changed uh, immensely. Um, I think when we started, uh, we had a, a whiteboard of about 40 or so different devices and opportunities that we were looking at, at uh, on a daily basis, right? Um, and it was super exciting when we started. We wanted to send drones all over the place and so forth, <laughs> right? And, um, and, and, and it's, it's still there, right? Those opportunities are there. But I think from a startup point of view, we, we had to sit back and say, uh, we have to survive as a company. So, so where do we, you know, where do we go to forward and, and what, do we, what do we focus on? So, so we took two or three use cases and we focused on that to start with, right? But it took us about a year to get to that point. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's absolutely it's been changing. Uh, I think we we can go into some details on the device and so f and, and so as we go forward. Um, but it it has changed a lot. I think the space as well has changed quite a bit, right? Mm. Since uh, since it started. Yeah, definitely. And we we've spoken on, on the past few episodes again. We've spoken about uh, platforms. We've spoken about uh, communication protocols. We've spoken about some of the drivers behind some of these projects and how to get them off the ground and where the budgets typically come from. We haven't really touched on the devices. And if you think about, especially something like scaling in these projects, the, the devices is obviously a massive, massive part of that. Um, and it sounds like you've had not only a little bit of trial and error, but you've also had some, some, some steep learning curves with regards to what that actually means practically. Absolutely. Um, I think um, when we started, we, uh, we were looking at, in, in some cases, a one device fits all scenario quite a few times. Super um, device. A super device, right? <laughs> and it's it's got to be, it's got to be fast. It's got to be able to roll out quickly. Um, it's got to be good. The quality. It's got to be cheap. It's got to tick all the boxes, right? Um, and I think in the in the three years, yes, there's scenarios where we have a device like that. We can add some inputs and measure temperature and so forth. But when you look at start looking at bespoke solutions, right? Uh, it's a, it's a tailor-made device normally for your end customer, depending on the solution, obviously. But I think we've, we've, a lot of these times we've seen that, you know, the one-size-fits-all one device, um, it's not always the, 
the most practical thing out there right yeah i mean i mean if we think about it if you talk about a, a one device fits all scenarios mm. potentially that means this device must be able to measure whatever you need to measure uh, some of these devices also needs to have location so you need to put on some gps device you need to also enable the accelerometer for 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 that for vibrations etc so all of a sudden you're adding on additional costs and we spoke about cost and scalability now you've got the super device with 10 things that can measure but you're only going to measure potentially one or two things at a particular client and now all of a sudden the cost and the scaling goes a little bit out of the window mm. yeah and you forgot the battery it needs to last 10 years right <laughs> <laughs> that's another important only, point is only, the battery yeah. right only 10 only years, 10 years. <laughs> yeah so yeah. so yeah adding all of these things unnecessary things gps i mean a gps little module will drain battery so quickly it's it's scary so yeah, it, yeah. it's quite a and, and and a battery in a fridge alter you can talk about that as well hey yes uh, i mean you know it's uh, i mean obviously when you when you start looking at different temperatures it has an effect on batteries so we learned uh, the hardware that um you need is you know specific batteries for for the cold temperatures especially fridges um, not not fridges with more freezers, right? When you start going to those those sub-zero temperatures, right? Um, so there's a lot of aspects, and I think what we've learned through through the years is that uh, first and foremost, when you sit down with a customer and you ask them what do they want to do, and I think it's exciting for customers. So firstly, um, they want to measure everything, right? We want to put a device on on literally anything I can so that we can get that data in, right? Um, but at the end of the day, the, the client or the customer wants the, the solution and the data needs to make sense for them, right? You want to get the value from the data. What, 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 what's the why? Why are you tackling the solution, right? What, what, would, what would the data or the sensor on each and every um, asset point that you're measuring, what would that bring you in the pocket? What's that return for the customer? Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we, we've now become so set on that when we sit in front of a customer, we, we start with requirements, right? What, what do you want to do? Why are we measuring this? How long are we measuring this? Where is this going? Do we need GPS? How long does the GPS last, right? Is, do you want to measure it in the stockyard? Is the temperatures involved, right? It's just a, an endless list and we try and find as many questions to ask the customer to make sure that at the end of the day, he gets his return value on that IoT solution. Yeah, 100%. Somebody, somebody mentioned this video, I can't remember who it was in conversation. Uh, somebody mentioned uh, data lake. Let, let's throw everything we can into the data lake. Every measure, every device, everything in our value chain or supply chain, let's throw it in the data lake. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah. this person mentioned that they, they actually internally, they have a term for it that they call it a data swamp. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because very, very quickly, you, you throw everything in there, but it becomes muddled, it becomes stinky after a while because there's no context to the data, <laughs> you're not too sure what to measure where. Uh, what the impact of things are, and I think that that data lake can very quickly become a data swamp. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, your 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 solution is only as good as the data you get in, right? Um, and and the device at the end of the day is just an enabler for that, right? It, it's uh, it enables same with your network, right? And, and that's where we come in and we look at what is the best solution for your customer at the end of the day. Is it a bespoke solution? Is it something we have to develop? Is there something off the shelf that we can do quickly? Um, it, it really, uh, at the end of the day, the data that you get is only as good as the data you measure on. Yeah. Alti, we spoke a little bit about device level networks. We spoke a little bit about Sigfox. Um, we also mentioned LoRa as a network. Um, it feels for me that there's no real standard 
on this. So now you're talking about a, a all fit one shop device. Now all of a sudden we're not talking about measuring stuff like temperatures and GPS and that. Now all of a sudden you also need to think about the device level communication. Do you fit this thing out with the LoRa chip? Do you fit it out with the Sigfox module? What what do you see? Is is there a drive to be standard or, or, or because or is there a multitude of these networks now available? And again, you now need to cater for each each and every one of those networks. Obviously, that influenced device manufacturing, etc. So, how, what's your experience? How do you guys overcome this? Because it, I do feel that it doesn't feel that there's a very good defined standard for device communications as yet in this in this space. I think you're right. There's we we obviously look at it from an experience point of view where. Um, you know, it's, it, it really, once again, depends on the solution the client wants, right? So um, you have your low, uh, long-range, wide-area networks, right, which at the end of the day, if you look at um, LoRa and Sigfox, your, your, your cost on these devices, the communication cost on that is low, right? Uh, and also, they, they're obviously lower in battery than you, you'd use with GSM. So um, it, it really depends on, this, on that solution. So I, I don't think at the, at the end of the day, there's a... A standard connectivity layer for us and, and I think you'd also find that for different IoT companies they standardize on different network protocols right some people don't even use any of those they have their own proprietary stuff they use right they, they might set up their own network um, based on whatever protocol they have um, which is also exciting right because this um, paves the way for new uh, communication layers and quicker faster and all of that right um, but but it, it does make it it could make it a, a messy situation at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, we look at we look at the, and once again, it depends, you know, and, and that's why we, we're so adamant when we start talking to a customer to look at that use case, right, and or what's requirements. Because if it's, if it's a device that needs to update once a day, uh, but you need the battery to last years, yeah. then, you know, something like Sigfox or LoRa is ideal for that, right? Uh, if it's something that needs more throughput on the data, then then we start looking at uh, GSM networks and and ThingStream and 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 networks like that, right? Um, so so yes, I I don't see that there's a, a specific standard, if you want to call it. Uh, we we use it fit for purpose at the moment, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. And what does that mean for device manufacturing? I mean, you guys manufacture, mm -hmm. you design, <laughs> you do all it from the, from the ground up. Maybe there's a question that I have. Yeah. Why do you manufacture? So I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we've been, we've been using, for some reason, we, we keep on talking about fridges, industrial fridges. It's, it's always the, the cold chain example that we use. So, we, so a couple of things that come to mind is, right, when will we see these devices manufactured uh, with whatever the capability around comms and integration with networks, when, when we will see these devices manufactured already in stock out of the factory with, with that capability in? And does the multitude of what is available make that a little bit difficult, number mm -hmm. one? Number two, retrofitting, I would imagine, is something that is what we're currently looking at doing. Um, is, is that practical? Is it easy? Is it affordable? Um, and if, if that's not an option, we have to manufacture why do we have to manufacture? What does what what that entire sort of landscape look like around devices and, and fitting? And maybe, maybe it's a bit of a big question, Alti. Sure. So when you say manufacture, you mean local? Why do we manufacture local in that sense? I think the fact that you're manufacturing locally is, is fantastic, but you're obviously manufacturing because of a need that you have around a specific oh, yeah. requirement. Absolutely right. So and I think that comes back to the scalability 
question, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, there's a lot of people that can take uh, Arduino and, and um, uh, a Tupperware box and, and you can go do a proof of concept, right? Um, and have you seen any of those there. Tupperware boxes that's an IoT box? Might, might have, might have. Homegrown <laughs> 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 solution. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that MVP, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, and I think the, the trick in there, and that's, that's obviously something we learned um, when we started, and I, and I can, I think when you start looking at this as a, as a startup, right, um, it's not an easy thing to scale. Uh, you need you need money to do that, obviously, right? Um, there, there's different ways to do this. You, you can do this with a manufacturing line. Uh, you can do this manually, right? Um, so they, they, there's a there's all, and we've gone through a few of of these, and, and we've partnered up with um, some guys, local guys in Africa that that we 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 do manufacturing with, and so forth, right? So, and we've tried all the different routes we've imported, and so forth. And, and it all goes back to the scalability of, of the device that you're doing, right? Is it a once-off thing? Are the, will you have 10, will you have 100 of these devices? Um, is it something that you're rolling out for the, the mass market, right? Uh, you're talking about a fridge. How many fridges are we looking at? Like a 1,000? Then you have to be able to scale this, right? And there's a lot of factors in that. Uh, as you said, Lenny, now let's say, are we doing a fridge for just, you know, a, a long-range wide area, uh, you know, low power type of network, or are we doing a fridge uh, device for high throughput, right? So now you, start, you need to start looking at the different modules. You need to start looking at uh, the electronics. You need to start looking at the enclosure. Then you need to start looking at the certifications on all of these devices, right? Which at the end of the day, it adds up to the device cost as well, right? Um, I think that's, so, some, sorry, that's something I think that people forget is, um, it's not something like you slap on and all of a sudden you've got this device. I mean, to be allowed to be certified on the SIGFOC next network, your device must be certified. Hmm. It's a massive cost to get that little badge on your device to say, hey, I am now a SIGFOC certified device. It's hmm. a massive cost. Uh, so, yes, it all goes back into that scalability factor. How hmm. many of you are, are you making? Hmm. You have to work that cost in. And, and I think that's probably one of the drivers where why a device doesn't cost you just a couple of hundred grand anymore. It's, it's not just practical at this point. Yeah, it, it, it boils down to the, you know, what components do you have in, in the device, right? Um, some components are more expensive than others, obviously, right? It, and, and it's a volume scale at the end of the day, right? Obviously, when you start looking at 10,000 units, the price comes down, you know, a, a lot. Um, it, it, it really depends on that solution at the end of the day, right? Is it... Is it a volume-based solution where we're looking at a specific price um, <clears throat> price level where we want to, you know, push in twenty or thirty or fifty thousand units? Um, so it, it does. It, it, it's there's a there's a huge impact between um, what you have to certify it in the, the certifications on that, right? Yeah, I, I didn't realize about the certifications. Obviously, every single device has to be certified, and that cat, that catalog is obviously growing at the moment. That catalog of available sort of devices, pre-built devices, approved devices. I would imagine over the last few years that catalog has grown and there's certainly a lot more available today than what there was three years ago. Absolutely, right. I mean, uh, uh, leaps and bounds, right, especially in the SIGFOX environment, there's a lot of certified um, devices in South Africa as well. There's uh, quite a few companies that's, that's manufacturing locally. Um, so yes, that catalog is growing in, in, in all the different um, network components as well, which, um, which which is also exciting, right? So you might sometimes have a customer that wants a specific device uh, and, and to get to the market quickly or 
to um, ease the customer's pain quickly, it can be an off-the-shelf device, right? And I think from a starter point of view, it's also something we learned and, and it's something I can put out there is that you don't have to manufacture each and every device. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we learned that the hard way, right? Um, I mean, if it's, if it's off the shelf and you can buy and you can integrate it, uh, you know, assist your customer and help them get to, get to ease their pains as quickly as possible. Um, and when we started, we wanted to, to change the world with different devices and we definitely wanted to manufacture as many devices as possible. And it's not always practical. Yeah. And do you find when you when you do these, do you find that it's a, what is it called? Is it, is it called a proof of concept, proof of technology? Yeah, proof of concept, a POC, um, as of the times, right? So um, I think that comes down to box of wires, unless we have an off-the-shelf product where um, nowadays we, we have one or two products we can just modify slightly, right, to get the POC running, um, unless it's a, a total major new environment that we've never dealt with right and we have to build a, a device from scratch Alti, it seems to me that three years ago you were a little bit ahead of the curve <laughs> uh, do you feel that um, only after maybe the first year or the second year that south africa has caught up and into that wave it feels that you saw this this need very early in south africa's journey i know south africa was earmarked while well, africa in general was earmarked as one of the you know, one of the biggest opportunities for IoT. Um, do you feel we're ready? Do you feel that, that, that it's now a time that the device explosion is going to happen that we've been waiting for? Yeah, the, the device, you know, the IoT adoption, I mean, you can, you can look at it. I think in certain instances, it's been slow. <clears throat> in, in other instances, it's, it's been booming. We've definitely seen a, an up curve in, in IoT solutions, right? Um, I think that first year or two was a lot of education that was happening from us. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes even internally, right, uh, we, we were learning a lot as we go on. We were almost pioneering in certain instances, right? And um, I think the market is ready. Um, I think there's still a lot of education going along. And I think there's, there's also sometimes a lot of misconceptions on, on of no IoT, a lot, a lot of noise, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of, as you said, three-letter acronyms out there, right? And there's a lot of... Uh, I mean, the IoT, IoT is actually such a broad um, mm. thing, right? If you start looking at IoT, it's what, you know, I mean, your Apple Watch you might wear as an IoT device, right? So yeah. it's, you know, so it's really, um, we're trying to, I think from where Hive is at the moment as a customer, uh, as a company is to make it customer centric in that sense, right? Um, but I think, I think uh, the markets are ready. Uh, I think a lot of your, your executives, high level executives now know what IoT is and how they can actually value from it, right? Add value to the company by using IoT. Um, and I think a lot of companies are ready to actually go into those POC um, phases, right? And, I, and the other thing is that doing a proper POC is also, it's always not, the, not always the easiest thing, right? You have to have um, on both sides, your, your customer side and your integrator side, you've got to have your champions that look after the POC and make sure from the get-go, um, to put down those facts on the table, what do we want to achieve with that POC, right? What, what, what is it we want to, to get value out of the whole IoT solution at the end of the day? Yeah, for sure. So, talking about solutions, um, what are the, some of the practical, I, I mean, I'd love to, um, and maybe, maybe now is the time to do that, I'd love to chat about um, SafeTrace. Um, sure. SafeTrace is something that you have developed with, um, I think you partnered with Guru Business Solutions. 
Um, yeah. we've, we've heard a lot of, it's been in the news. Um, and obviously, again, as Lenny mentioned in the beginning, um, obviously faced with a COVID-19 crisis, um, not only in South Africa, but globally, you know, leaders are looking to understand how, how they can have one, basically one business imperative at the moment, which is maintaining operations and doing it mm -hmm. safely. Um, sure. So on the back of that, Safe Trace, super exciting for, for you guys, super exciting for South Africa. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So um, I think when we, <laughs> when we started lockdown, so one of my, my IoT babies is um, a Sigfox button that, uh, that we, we des designed and developed from, from ground up, uh, which is a, a customer, uh, um, customer, what's his name, button, right? Where you can, where it's basically smiley faces that you can press. Uh, and so what are some applications of that? What, what would you use that for, for example? So, so it was based on uh, why we use Sigfox, low battery power, right? You can stick the button on a restaurant table and you can get immediate real-time feedback from a customer. Um, so it was customer feedback, right? Awesome. Um, and we were, we've been asked to do this button quite a few times. So the, the market wanted a, a button like that. Obviously, when we started Hive IoT, uh, and especially with our industrial background, a button with uh, three smiley faces was probably not the first thing we had in mind, right? So, <laughs> That's probably the most practical. Um, so it was definitely, you know, market driven and, and we had quite a few, <clears throat> um, few, few companies that asked us for this button. So, so we went ahead and, and made this button and then, um, COVID-19 hit us and, um, I woke up probably the second or third day in lockdown, um, drained in sweat. And I came to the realization that our button is now pretty much dead because no one want, would want to touch that button anymore. Um, it is now gone, right? So in that sense, we, we looked at how can we, how can we survive and how can we help uh, other companies in this, in this uh, COVID-19 epidemic side, right? And um, uh, Guru came to us, John came to us with, uh, with the concept of Safe Trace. And at that stage, it had a different name. And it, it was more for a, a broader aspect where we, we would try and get it to as many people as possible. Uh, it, it was a, it needed to be a solution to be able to assist with contact tracing, um, but not be able to track as with a cell phone, right? Because I think everyone went for the cell phone application route. Uh, and being in South Africa, not everyone is kitted with the latest and greatest cell phone. Yep. And obviously there's the privacy, you know, we, we don't want to be GPS tracked and, and so forth. And, and, and then you have your user adoption. How many people actually install an app, right? Uh, and why do they need to install the app? Why would they, what would they benefit from an app like that? You know? mm -hmm. so, so looking at that, we started the journey and looked at um, how can we uh, make a solution where people have a device on them, uh, which is low in power, uh, could last a long time. We don't want to charge the, the, the devices because if people forget to charge the device, um, we, we'd lose the contact. Uh, and we, we started looking at develop the, the, to develop the solution in lockdown, right? So we did all everything remotely between, between the team uh, and Johan and his concept. Um, and um, That's phenomenal. Yeah, everything remotely. I mean, what does that typically look like? I mean, you know, I, yeah. just from our experience, yeah. the ability to sit together as a team and, and brainstorm and work on things, you know, that's obviously quite an, quite an adaption doing that, doing that uh, remotely. <clears throat> It was right. I mean, we were used to to brainstorming on whiteboards and and you know looking at to fit a solution together. You know, we, we were used to being a team in an office and 
and uh, it, it was always we had when we did these brainstorming sessions it would take an hour or two or three of our time and, and it, it was a lot I would say probably a lot easier to do it in an office and I think although in that sense we still uh, you know from a from a tech startup side we, we were used to working remotely in a certain sense but brainstorming we, we, we normally like to be in a room with each other and, and bounce ideas off each other right yeah. So that that started becoming a daily Zoom, Skype, Teams, whatever, whatever was the whatever your flavor, the day, whatever, whatever the flavor of tool for the day is, uh, and and WhatsApp and so forth, right? Um, so it was difficult, I think, maybe at first, um, but I think it actually also changed the way we worked. Um, in a sense, it actually um, allowed for us to be more agile because now we could, we didn't have to actually drive to the office and do everything there, right? We could just bounce ideas off each other through a Zoom session. Um, although we still, I think in certain days, we, we do like that human interaction between us, right? Uh, no, you, sure. you do need that. We do need that. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think everybody is feeling the Zoom Zoom fatigue at the moment as well. <laughs> Zoom out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. All right. So obviously you, you've, you, you're under pressure because time was obviously of, of the essence in this scenario. Um, coming up with, with a solution that will obviously not only help operational efficiency, but also save lives. Um, yeah. And obviously all of this on the backdrop of this time pressure in putting a solution together. That must have been, must have been some tight, tight uh, working hours and, and a little bit of pressure to get that done and get that going and into the market and into a POC so quickly. Absolutely. Um, I mean, hats off to, to uh, our, it's one of our other directors, Matthew Kiwi. Um, I mean, he's been working day and night on especially software and, and so forth, right? Um, so, so what we decided on <clears throat> was to not look, manufacture locally because we needed to scale and scale quickly. So we needed something off the shelf at that stage, um, which we decided to import the devices from overseas. Um, we looked around for partners, phoned around, chatted, emailed. So, the, all so of that. these devices were already available. Ready available, right? But they were not, doing a not, different. Obviously, not not specifically for COVID. It was just no. the technology that was available that you guys saw the gap for to utilize as a COVID tracking device. Exactly. So um, we took a BLE tag. So normally, this BLE blow, blow, uh, Bluetooth low energy okay. um, tag would be fitted onto an asset, right? Uh, and then somewhere along the line, you'd have either a mobile uh, device uh, via a cell phone or a gateway that would pick up this Bluetooth uh, low energy device, right? So normally, you might fit that on any asset, uh, let's say, for instance, a, um, a pallet, if you want to track the mm. pallet, right? I know that uh, these for, for shipping containers as well, when they exactly right. actually put it on the ship and on, over the seas, they can actually track and see where that container is at any point in time, yeah. No, so I mean, um, the reason we chose Bluetooth Low Energy was um, it is is it, it's a technology that's known. Right, people know Bluetooth. Um, it's a tried and tested. Um, it has it has its limitations in certain areas, um, but we decided that from a battery life, because that was probably one of the most important things. We we needed a battery life that would last us months, and if possible, a year at least, right per per device. Uh, and and um, we found a a partner overseas and they had these devices but obviously the purpose for these devices were to do asset tracking so these devices would um, send out uh, advertisements and we had to then go and look at how these devices work in the field at the moment and we had to change the firmware on these devices so it fits our purpose 
Yeah. So a couple of requirements in this case. So um, you you obviously the system, if you can call it that, or, or, the, or the platform or whatever, you had, had to be simple and effective um, yeah. without any of the complexity that to your point that you typically have with apps and working with apps, let alone the fact that most people uh, wouldn't necessarily have a smartphone. Well, for, just forget my phone at home. Forget my phone at home, absolutely. So the yeah. technology had to be familiar to the average kind of person, it had to be easy for them yeah. to understand and not even worry about how it works. <clears throat> And then uh, the interesting one, you, the one that you mentioned is obviously the requirements around uh, Popier, the Poppy Act, or Popier as it's known. That's very often, you know, tracking people's movement and, and uh, whereabouts. That's obviously a consideration just in terms of the, the, the Protection of Personal Information Act. Um, yeah. I think that's something probably folks don't even think about as well. So it's quite a, quite a few requirements to try and encapsulate into one solution. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that is, that is one of the, so probably the two biggest things were Make sure the device will last for months, right? Shouldn't be rechargeable. It, it just needs to work. Uh, and the other thing was uh, user information, right? We, we didn't want to track people when they went home after work. So um, we decided to make this for large enterprises. And from, from there, SafeTrace was basically born. And we started chiseling away at, at the different requirements as we, as we moved along, right? Fantastic. And SafeTrace today, it's um, you've... Uh, it, it was POC was done. Sorry, at at, at Cock Ingram, yeah. um, and that is now moved beyond the POC. They're actually rolling out. It's it's implemented and running. Absolutely, it's uh, so we did a, a, a proof of concept, and and we were very uh, lucky that lucky that P, that Adcock were willing to do the POC with us, um, and they were understandable. I mean, this is a new technology, right? It's it's something that was. Yeah. born in an, in an agile environment right it was uh, it was rough around the ages when we started um and then we obviously started to to just refine it as we moved along right and, and they were willing to work with us for the first two three weeks just to to get some gateways in there um make sure that the cards upload and so forth right and um after after that they were happy with the poc and we've now moved beyond that where we we're doing a full rollout for for the company yeah. Yeah, All right, so just a little bit practically. So you talked about gateways. Um, we talked about this little Bluetooth wearable device. So, so SafeTrace, mm -hmm. so pretty much you, you slap a little device on your wrist, like a, like a watch or a, or a smartphone or Apple watch, like we mentioned. So you, you slap this little Bluetooth device on your, on your wrist and you just rock up at home or at work, pretty much. And it will now track, depending on the gateways in your facility, it will know where you were. And as mm -hmm. well as what other users have you been in contact with in that same facility? And that's pretty much how that spider web of interaction then gets traced. So if someone did have the unfortunate event of contracting COVID, you can trace mm -hmm. pretty much contact. everybody that's been in contact with that person throughout the entire facility. Yeah, so um, it's, it's not a risk. Well, they, they are risk wearable. They are wearables in that sense. Uh, we've opted for a... A card factor. People are used to the the card, access right? cards. Okay. Access card. So it, it looks almost identical. A little bit thicker because we need uh, to have a big battery in there, right? Okay. Um, but the the device can hook onto a lanyard or fit into your pocket. It's very very compact in size. Same as your exact same size as your your access card, just a bit thicker. Um, and it's it's uh, high duty, like it's IP67. Um, so it can it's it's waterproof and all of that, right? So for your more industrial environments, that's, that's ideal, right? So, which is why we chose the card. And I think that's uh, another and also, very important point is when we talk about industrial, we're talking with 
communication protocols in an industrial application, you might have scenarios where this thing must be intrinsically safe. Mm. Uh, so you guys had to yeah. go mm. testing for that to make sure that there's no so, issues no, we, around that. <laughs> okay. So we, 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 we didn't. We actually we decided not to um, okay. from a time perspective and so forth. Um, oh, wow. we, it, it was just so busy, um, I think, to get this out to as many people as possible, right? Yes. Um, time was a bit some of the essence, right? So um, it is something that we have opened up um, to our customers if they need it. There was unfortunately one or two sites that um, they need to kind of hand in the cards before they go underground and things like that, right? So there are there, there is areas um, which they cannot use at the moment uh, because of the intrinsic safe uh, requirement. Um, but I think we had to draw the line somewhere from a development point of view and say, listen, how, you know, how, how far can we get this out and, and help as many people as possible, right? And if, that, and if it, it is limited because of whatever the reason, then that, so be it, right? Okay, um, absolutely. I mean, the, the yeah. key objective here is to, is to obviously track movements and track infections and save lives. I mean, that's, that's, that's ultimately why, why this was this born. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I think so, yeah. what I love about the story, uh, Alti, sorry to interrupt, what I love about the sure. story is the, you, we often speak about ecosystem and, and the value of partnerships and, and innovation and co-creating things that add value to, to business and society and just make life better. What I love about this story is the, is the ecosystem that was involved here. We, we've obviously mentioned, uh, uh, Johan, um, you guys were involved. I think the AM group were involved in terms of trying to, figure something out from spare parts before selecting a device and all of those things. It's just a number of people involved in making this happen and uh, yep. making it happen quickly um, and, and community coming together to create something that is digitally innovative in South Africa and, and saving lives. That, that's what I love most about this story. Absolutely right. And, and I think you'll, you'll see that in a, and it's something that um, we've also learned through the years in the, in the, this fast paced IOT space that we're in, right? It's, it's, there's so many aspects to a solution at the end of the day. Um, it's, it's a lot of the, these, these times we collaborate with different companies, right? Um, and it's a company might have a platform and they want a device, right? And they'll come to us and say, we want to do this on the device. And it's a collaboration between ourselves and that platform company to get to the customer and give him the best solution, right? And, and we're seeing that all more and more happening, right? It's a, a solution is not a, uh, sometimes not even a device fits all, but not even a company fits all, right? It, it might be a collaboration between the customer and two and three other companies that one looks after the network, one that looks after devices, one looks after the platform, right, the device is not uh, and a all of these. I, I love that. A device is not a solution. Yeah, It's an enabler. It's just an enabler at the end of the day, right? Yeah, um, you've got the three pillars. Yep. So, so based on that, Alti, on SafeTrace, we spoke about the, the access card, you log, you, you get who's been in contact. Um, did you guys also provide the, the platform for this where all the data is now getting, getting analyzed and to, to do that kind of genealogy tracing of the guy's movement? Did you guys also build this platform for this? We have. Yes, we have. Um, so as I said, late nights. Um, so uh, we developed the firmware for the um, devices, right? We developed the firmware for the gateways uh, and the the crucial thing there was to make sure that we um, have the requirement of what is contact, right? So what is contact? It's, um, and it differs um, between 
companies as well, and uh, it has also changed from the from the World Health Organization. But you're basically looking at a at one and a half meter between two people, and you're looking at a anything between a five and a fifteen minute uh, cycle that two people are close to each other in a in a confined space, right? So, and then we log that as a a let's say we log that as contact. So, for instance two people in the room and they're there for longer than 15 minutes out of that 15 minutes for a consecutive five, every five minutes, we look at a ping and we log that as a contact, right? And from there, we um, then log that uh, into a gateway. So a user needs to walk past the gateway, stop for five seconds, his card will flash, data will be uploaded to the gateway. Uh, and that thing goes into our cloud platform, uh, which is an another thing that we developed. Um, and our first MVP for that was literally just to get get the data in, make sure that we can cross-reference users, click a trace button, and you get a list of users that that person has been in contact with, right? Fantastic. Jeez. Amazing. Yeah, lovely. And, well and, done. I mean, lockdown happened in, what was it, March? Sure, it's been so long, I can't remember the dates. End of March. 130, probably, I don't know. I can't remember. It's been so long. But just the fact that with all your experience in agile development, with all your research in the past three years about devices, what will work for what kind of solution, all yeah. of that experience accumulating now to seeing an opportunity in less than a hundred days have yeah. a full-blown solution. And I think that's that's kudos and credibility to, yeah. to you guys' um, knowledge in this space. Born from an opportunity to Born from an lives. opportunity oh, and, and realize the need and the quickness of agile <clears throat> development to actually get something to the customer to to still be available for the guys to use in the current lockdown situation. And Alti, like with most startups, you've probably over the th over the few years you've questioned some of the the, the sort oh. of why <laughs> and and not knowing that it was all sort of aligned uh, around helping yeah. saving lives in 2020. Who would have known? Uh, absolutely, it just came came together. Everything just came together, you know. And and I once again can't do, couldn't have done it without the team, right? I mean, and 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 also the the team has grown throughout the, the, the last three years. And, and I think it was that when normally we would probably try to manufacture it ourselves and, and, and they just, there wasn't time for that. Right. We needed to get devices here and thousands. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and I think sitting back and saying, let's, let's do this. How can we tackle the quickest way? Absolutely. The, the team was, um, I mean, they've just they've shown, shown, all of us have shown what we can do if we put our minds to it in, in that short time and space, right? I mean, we, we started with a, with a solution basically at the end of April, right? So, yeah, you're right. It's, it was like in a literally few months. I think normally this would have taken us probably <laughs> half a year, maybe longer. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Yeah, and, and I suppose something else that you mentioned that's really important is that we often, you know, we often look at going to market with something typically under normal conditions, um, you know, mm -hmm. what that looks like. When is it perfect? Should we be first? Doesn't matter if we first, we, we must just be the best. And I think mm -hmm. the circumstances around this one was totally, totally different and born out of need around what was happening in the world around us. Yeah, absolutely. I think perfection, um, especially everyone being engineers, it's, it's, it's such a difficult, uh, we, we battled with that for the first year, right? We, we, would, we, we couldn't take a thing to a customer in, in a Tupperware box, right? It, it would always need to be the bells and whistles. And we've learned through the years that it's, the hardware is an enabler and, you know, it, it doesn't always have to look exit perfection in that sense, right? We've got to have to just take the device, make it work, get the data in and show the value to the customer at the end of the day, right? 
um, you, you can fine tune that and make it into that final Rolls Royce solution as you go go along, right? Um, yeah. So perfection is, as in the first year, probably been a, a lot of our downfall in some of our solutions, right? Yeah. No, for sure. Alti, we spoke about Safe Trace. Um, any other? What's next? What's next? You've, you've proven some things at very large scale now, effectively. What uh, is there anything that you can share that's on the horizon? I'm sure this has opened a, a few technology and, and solution doors for you. We, yeah, we are. Unfortunately, I can't say much at the moment. Um, yeah. So yes, well, there, there is something. We hear that comment when you. We may read something in the news in a few weeks' time. So. Yeah, we, we are busy uh, in the retail space with something exciting at the moment, which um, we, we, we're chiseling away on as well to get that. Um, I think we passed the MVP. We, we're going into the, to the next next stage of that, right? Um, so, yes, there's some exciting stuff that we're busy with, which is, um, you know, we always try to get, you know, that disruption word, um, try and disrupt and, and get get to um, solutions and things quicker and faster, right? Uh, yep. So there, there's quite a few things that's interesting that's on the horizon. Um, but as I said, unfortunately, there's, I, there's certain aspects I, I can't mention uh, at the moment. Well, I'm sure it's with good reason that you can't mention it, um, which means that it's in, in, in really in good progress in the final stages of, of delivering value. So yeah, all the best with that and hope, hope it goes well. And I'm sure we, this is not the last that we're going to hear of, of new innovative stuff that you guys are doing. Awesome, thanks. And that was another South Africanism, by the way, Exi Perfexi. We've, we've got a... We, we, <laughs> we have a few of those. So, yeah, sorry, we, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> After I said it, I was like, oh, yes, here we go. We, yeah. we have a few international listeners and uh, um, probably three. Apologies. We have, a, we have a few international listeners and uh, we, we, every now and then we have to just highlight, you know, wherever we have South Africanism. <laughs> I think Exi Perfexi is a, is a South Africanism. Uh, so yeah, yeah, just to just to translate that, it means it must be one hundred percent perfect. Perfect. <laughs> must be perfect. perfection. Yeah, um, yeah Alti, I think um, I, I love the story. I love the application. Um, I think for you and the team, uh, it definitely sounds like you've had some some of your best learning. You definitely have done uh, some of your best work, and it sounds like it's been some of your best teamwork as well. So. Yeah, she's well, well done to you and the team at, and everybody involved with, with the solution. And, and thank you for demystifying and explaining a little bit more about what it looks like on a device level. Um, sure. You know, probably one of the most critical parts of, of the bigger overall picture, but often not the most understood. Mm. Um, so that was, that was really valuable for, for, for us. Thank you so much. Uh, the journey so far in the past three years has just been absolutely amazing. Uh, great working with the team I have. Once again, we've all grown, they've grown so much, um, and I'm super proud of, of the team I have on my side. And I think with them, I, we can literally tackle anything. There's just no impossible with them. Great. Well, that sounds awesome. Cool. Alti, thank you for your time. It was nice chatting to you. Um, we it is, it is a Friday today. We usually record on a Wednesday. This week has just been all over the place. We uh, I wasn't even sure most mornings what day of the week it was. <laughs> but it's a Friday today. Thank you for joining us on a Friday, taking time on a Friday. Uh, great chatting to you. All the best for everything else. Um, like we said, I'm sure we're going to read a, a lot more about some of the incredible innovation that you're delivering. Enabling people and improving processes with a tech that's available. That, that's exactly what it's about. So thank you for sharing Absolutely. the insights. It was great chatting to you, man. Great. Thanks for having me. It was a great chat. Thanks. 
And then we just got to figure out what's next week. Uh, I've lost a little bit of track. So for our next episode, I think we're chatting with, uh, we, we're going to change it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. we, we're going to look around something that was, was quite a hot topic and probably still is, but it has lost a little bit of, of, of focus um, over the past few years is around maintenance. Exactly. Uh, we're going to get straight back into the uh, industrial and manufacturing world and a topic that's always been very relevant. Uh, relevant. Uh, through its ability to uh, save costs, um, improve processes, and, and just generally the, the, the life, life cycle of assets and equipment, so the topic of maintenance. Uh, who do we have, Lenny? Uh, we've got Kogiso from Kellogg's. Um, he is the engineering manager at the Kellogg's plant in Springs. Uh, so we're getting a little bit of feedback from him on what does maintenance practically look like on a manufacturing environment? Uh, what are they doing to to try and improvement and, and see where they are in the in the maintenance journey? Um, there's there's this typical maintenance pyramid. You go from reactive to to you know more kind of predictive type of maintenance, and just try to understand from him practically how 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 can that be implemented in a in a normal running day manufacturing environment? Fantastic. How do how do we ensure the smooth and efficient working uh, of of an industrial plant? And like with everything else. IOT and industrial IOT cannot be separated from that and there's some really innovative things happening there as well. So we, we can't really get away from IOT. Definitely like. not. Definitely. Um, cool. So that's that's our next episode with Kakiso and uh, we're looking forward to that. And yeah, as always, if you have any suggestions, feedback. So stealing my comments, line, oh, That's your line. That's your closing line. Sorry. Go for it. So guys, please, <laughs> if you have any um, feedback, any topics that you want us to discuss on the podcast, please give us an email or a shout at podcast at element8.co.za. We love hearing from you and we will work in those topics into our series. Yeah, we've had some really good suggestions as well. And there's quite a long list right now. So we're going to line up all of those topics over the next little while. Um, but yeah, as, as always, thank you for listening. Um, we hope that you found that valuable. We certainly did chatting with Alti from Hive IoT. And that is this week's episode. Um, Thanks for listening. Stay safe and look after each other. Perfect. Thanks, Bye -bye. guys. Bye -bye. Cheers. Cheers.